Hey everyone, Ariel here. For this discussion episode, we have something a little bit different today. We'll be talking about LGBTQ inclusion and topics in our Rokugan. So as everyone probably knows by now, we play in an alternate universe of Rokugan, the Itagashi Empire, which focuses a little more on the individual and personal enlightenment. From the first planning stages of the game, it wasn't really a question whether or not I would include LGBTQ content or themes, both for the comfort of myself and my players. I've sometimes heard the sentiment this ruins the setting due to its focus on family and children. But being cisgender and in a heterosexual relationship, having biological children, is not necessarily the only form of honoring one's family or doing one's duty to their clan. For instance, adoption is very common in Rokugan. And in this version of the Rokugan, the Tagashi Empire, adoption of orphans is still very common, as well as bringing in worthy adults and worthy ronin into the clan, sometimes even worthy peasants. In the end, having LGBTQ themes represented and included in this game is just being able to play someone like ourselves and not have to justify our existence or give an explanation for why uh, there might be an arranged homosexual versus heterosexual marriage or there might be someone who's gender variant. You shouldn't have to explain those things. And in the end, even if Rokugan is kind of an inherently depressing and downtrodden setting, well, that doesn't mean it has to be homophobic or transphobic. So I'm going to let the players reintroduce themselves first before I do in the context of Pride Month, kind of our gender sexuality, where we stand on the LGBTQ spectrum. Whoever wants to go first. Okay, I can go. Since mine feels simple, I guess. Uh, so hi again, I'm Hana. I play Shio in Shadows in the West. Uh, I'm a cisgender, mostly, question mark, a bisexual woman, um, and she always pan. That's that's about it. Hi, I'm Ellie. I play Dayu in Shadows in the West, and I pretty recently came out as transgender. Uh, all very new to me. I don't know what this makes my uh, sexual orientation. I guess bi, because yeah, with a preference towards uh, girls. Um, and that's all I have. And sorry. <laughs> My sexuality sorry. and gender is sorry. Sorry, <laughs> sorry with a question mark. Very That's important. The most way I could put it. My everything is sorry. Hi, I'm Mallory. I play Crow in Shadows in the West. I am a. I'm not sure I feel completely comfortable identifying as cis, but I'm probably closer to that end of whatever spectrum of gender is um but i am a lesbian and what uh i just think thor is really neat <laughs> you just think thor is really neat i just think thor is really neat he's an ally to us all thor is super neat the ultimate lgbt ally and thor and god of thunder devil joe is not a turf just you heard it, you heard it here <laughs> That reminded me. Um, I should probably <laughs> clarify that um, a transgender mi male to female um, I pr would prefer she, her, they, them is also super fine. Sorry, I sh should have put that in earlier. My bad. No, it's fine. No bad. No bad. You're kicked out of the LGBT exclusive club now. You know, big fear. Big fear. <laughs> One fear. Yeah, that's that big, big, big fear. Big just ignore the Twitter. <laughs> just say that like really. it's easy. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm I, me saying that is like just ignore Twitter, and like as if I don't scream about Twitter at least three times a day. So hi, I'm Ariel. Just introducing myself again. Um, I'm the GM of Shadows in the West, and I'm a question mark gender lesbian. Um, I didn't really grow up in a very gender normative environment, so I kind of didn't think about it till later on in life. And by then I had some more, I guess, identifying words for androgyny or not really cis. So I lean in the androgynous direction and I'm comfortable being a woman, but not always. So I'm kind of in the general umbrella area of non-binary. Not really sure yet. Um, I don't really mind she, her pronouns and they, them is also good. So for this episode, we really didn't have a, I guess, a rigid way of doing it, but we did take some questions from our Twitter followers and we got some great ones. And so we're just going to answer those and kind of see where it takes us. Okay. So first question, 
is from Tanoka, and that is, what is it like being transgender in the Togashi Empire? Not just for Kitsune, but everybody else, too. Okay, good question. Um, typically, if a person wishes to live as a gender other than their birth, it's uh, decided on or near their gunpuku. They kind of make their um, announcement and their identification known. Um, it can also be decided during any point in their life, and each person's personal journey varies. Uh, they choose the new name they take in a recognized practice clans or individual families, as in a personal family's uh, tradition and any ceremonial events surrounding it. Um, and for the Kitsune, they are inherently gender fluid, so they present themselves with whatever anatomy and physique they can choose or identify as. But any Kitsune can identify very differently to one from one individual to the next. Um, in Crow's case, um, I, I'm, I know that uh, Ariel just mentioned, you know, that it's uh, often decided at their Gampuku, but um, I just felt like mentioning that in Crow's case, it was, there was never really any period of question in her life. Like she just organically grew up referring to herself as a woman. Crow was born biologically male, just in case that wasn't clear already. Um, referring to herself with female pronouns and her family just accepted it um and crow has a really bad relationship with her sister like really really bad um and i wanted to kind of make sure that none of the tension between them was in any way due to that so it was really important for me when i was writing crow's backstory stuff that will eventually come up in zui hit season episodes that That her her gender identity is um it was never a point of tension with her family and that it's just sort of hopefully kind of exemplifies how much of a non issue it is in this Rokugan. But at the other the other side of that coin is that Crow is obviously not super femme and I feel like really non binary is more apt is a better way to describe how Crow identifies, uh, but she just prefers female pronouns and prefers to to go about as a woman. But it's it's been really nice to like play and write a character that way without having to worry about so much of their strife and inner turmoil like stemming from that. I know it's very easy uh, for a lot of people to write Rokugan in in such a way that it it stigmatizes that culturally in the setting. Um, and it's just been really nice and refreshing to be free to explore that aspect of her without having to dump any time or energy on uh, making her entire story about that aspect of herself. It, it is important to her and, and it does come into the story later on, but never in like a like drama kind of way. Suffering for the sake of it. Right, exactly. I just want to say that Crow's situation is ideal and I love her and would lose my mind if anything ever happened to Crow. Well, she's got the uh, great destiny advantage, so she's got at least one one buff, one charge of cheat death. She she can't die because we can't be yet another podcast with a dead lesbian. It's true. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Everyone in this party is safe because they're all gay. Atsu's in danger. Atsu's, Atsu's oh! great. <laughs> Atsu cannot be in danger. I take Atsu it all back. Kasumi, Atsu and Kasumi are in danger. No, they're not. No, no, no. no. See, you there's. Can't tell me Kasumi hasn't ate out oh, a she's... tiny crane girl yeah, come on. back at Winter Court. Kasumi's by. I will give you yes. that. Yes! Honestly, like I knew. Yes! I just got slipped a crisp 20. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, we'll keep that's, it you heard it here brain. first. Kasumi is is bi. That's, yes, that's I knew it in my heart. Let's oh, keep all of this out of the episode now because <laughs> no one knows who she is yet. Oh, it doesn't well, matter. Uh, she's great. You'll find out. She is great. She is great. So I ju- I just wanted to um clarify at this point that um Dayu is not also trans. Dayu is cis. I have mentioned, I do mention very, very vaguely in some parts of the campaign that she, like, might wear heavy bandaging as, like, binders, kind of, to be more, to appear more androgynous than 
to than to like femme. Um, but again, it's not like it's not really a huge part of her character. Most <laughs> her character is pretty devoid of most sexuality and stuff, mostly because of things that have happened in her past that have made her just not interested in human relations. Only the void. <laughs> Only the void. But that could also change in the future. That's just how it is now. I don't know. Sorry. I, I, that, that's all I got. That's all I got. Next question. Okay. Next question from Delathiel. I like this question. Uh-huh. Same. Delathiel, would the players agree that the most effective way you offer queer representation is by not shying away from the sexuality of characters once brought up? but also never making it the sole slash major defining trait of its characters. They're queer people, not queer placeholders. Um, I would agree. Being gay does inform my life, but it's not the only thing about me. It's uh, it's important to recognize that identity is a key important part of a person and also a character, but it's not all they are. And that's kind of where things can get complicated in media. Not recognizing that often results in cardboard cutouts and some really bad stereotypes. Um, it's important to make a person's identity visible and clearly visible and not conveniently remembered after the fact in the form of, oh, by the way, he was gay, but you never saw it, and he was never confirmed. It's something that's kind of a learn-as-you-go and just talk to other LGBTQ people, or if you're not LGBTQ yourself, you should definitely check in with someone from that community or identity to make sure you're not doing something and not realizing it, or making sure that you're not stepping into anything. But also don't seen. rely on new gay people in your life on yeah. for like the emotional labor. Like, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely do your own research as well. Uh, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of way to answer this question. I, I agree with everything Ariel said, and I hate it when, like, oh, here's here's a gay character and something finally. Oh, and it's a sassy, effeminate artist or some shit. Um, it's just exhausting. But on the other end of the spectrum, it's it's also exhausting to see like people write these gay characters that are like perfect and infallible. It's it's really kind of dehumanizing and uh, fetishizing and exhausting. And it's like we, we just want to see gay characters that are just people that are just gay or trans or whatever um, to get a little more back on track with the question itself. I honestly like I don't even like consciously think on these terms anymore though when by these terms i mean like the the terms used in in the question um and i guess i'm fortunate in that regard because it just it it's easy for me to to write gay characters and i often go out of my way not even go out of my way it's just like it just feels natural to make a character gay because we kind of have a lack of there's not a lot of really solid good gay characters out there or trans characters out there that I can think of at least in mainstream media and um I I just feel like make a character and then they're gay yeah yeah (laughs) don't make a gay don't don't build the whole character around them being gay and I, I don't consciously I don't have to like stop myself when I'm writing to be like oh well my hands slip they're effeminate and they have a lisp now or some shit like yeah Yeah, i had more complete thoughts on that but they're gone so go for it i think it's just a lot of agreement with what mal said like i'm gonna relate this to my own experiences with like realizing i'm bisexual and all of that so sorry in advance it's all very personal and i'm still like learning it's a constant don't be sorry i have to be sorry it's who i am i'm a fucking canadian (laughs) okay yes but um like it is a constant process of learning from outside sources and other people but like when i'm creating characters i'm not thinking oh i'm gonna make a gay character i'm thinking okay this is my character and then my character will say well um did they love did they love someone did they have like family? How did they have this family? And then another character will pop into my head. And often that character is not like, it's not a heterosexual relationship. And yeah, it's never a statement. It's just, you know, like Shio, she was, she was married to a male Kenku 
And then afterwards she had a relationship with uh, Kitsune who preferred to present as female. And like she herself is not particularly like she doesn't really care you know everyone if someone is attracted to her they're attractive to her which i guess kind of reflects on my own sexuality and all that like as a bisexual person i it it just happens but yeah it's really not about making a statement with a character i'll leave it at that I've uh, I've got to agree with that and the and what Mal said about the oops my hand slipped thing like it it is it is never really really like that it just kind of again it it does happen it's just I'm just writing characters and they end up I guess from you know following I I, I maybe this is my a fault as a writer where I lean too much on you know personal experiences and stuff I just I write the kind of stories I like and the kind of stories I want to see. Well, I I mean, I don't think that that's, I think that if you aren't pulling at least from some kind of personal experience when you're writing something, then it's going to kind of lack a sense of authenticity. I mean, you can be writing about the most ridiculous, fantastical thing, uh, but if you're not pulling from your personal emotions and, and human experiences to apply them to like how a character would react to a situation, then it's almost always going to feel stilted. And also just like on a personal level, when I'm making a new character or when I'm, I don't know, writing a character's backstory and another character has to come into it, I, I feel like a lot of the time I will, I think my, my brain defaults to like every character is pansexual unless proven otherwise, because it just feels weird to kind of yeah default to like a heterosexual character until, honest, like when I'm making a new character... Part of me is like, okay, and I'm going to make this one gay too because god damn it, the world needs more gay characters or the world needs more lesbian characters and I'm just going to fucking do it myself. I will people the world with gay characters, god damn it. Big mood. Hell yeah. Doing good work. And when I say gay, like I, I pretty much only ever use the word gay as like a blanket umbrella term for anything like LGBT. So it's just, just to clarify, I think, I think a lot of people do. And that's fine. I've gotten shit for it before from really? uh, usually from straight people. though. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. God, do you know, like the amount of times I've like run into those those like exploding brain memes about like bisexual people talking about like, well, like, like, not. I'm, I'm phrasing this really badly, but like, fighting with this deep internal battle about whether it's okay <laughs> to call themselves gay or not because they're afraid that people are gonna say, "Well, no. Sometimes you're gonna date someone who's technically straight," you know. And I don't know. I, I like gay as a blanket term, and I don't care. I, I, I'm, I'm giving you my big lesbian stamp of approval. All, all bisexuals and pansexuals, it's okay to say gay as a blanket term. I'm the authority on this, and no one can question me. Uh, Thank you for the blessing. Peace and hail Satan. Thank you so much. I, f- I feel much better. Hooray. Actually, I, I kind of do. <laughs> so sad. Yes. I kind of If someone gives a shit about a bi or pan person using gay to define themselves, then they can go get bent because, like, we got bigger <laughs> things to worry about. <laughs> I know this is just bisexual and like insecurity, which I think is a pandemic. So a pan. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Oh. sorry, 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 sorry. Anyway, are you Canadian? You? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're all Canadian. We can. Canadian. We're all gay and we're all Canadian. <laughs> Canadian like gay is contagious, so we've all got it from Hannah. It's spread my fault well it's your fault too ellie come on oh that's right i forgot almost i forgot You're like oh yeah i forgot i was born in montreal oops i forgot yeah (laughs) canada is also now part of pride so what we can talk about canadian heritage on on this episode as well anyway sorry another question from delafiel did any particular piece of media queer or otherwise inspire an aspect about a character slash a particular focus to how they were portrayed due to a perceived scarcity slash or influence a direction their paths took. So um, I had to actually think about this a lot because I didn't like 
consciously pull from existing characters to make crow um or there was nothing going on in my life at the time that really like made me think yeah i want a character like that but i was i was thinking back to like when we were developing these characters and first getting started in the game and i i um i so i think that uh crow is kind of the product of a longtime love of both Harukatono, which is sailor uranus as you probably know and ang from avatar one of those is queer the other is well i don't know maybe ang is pansexual we have no idea crow definitely started as like more of haruka she's i i wanted the uh, the character crow's first concept that i kind of built around was tall androgynous flirtatious lesbian with a deep voice <laughs> and uh Aang I feel like because I knew from the start uh that Crow like a lot of unicorn favors compassion more than the other tenants of Bushido and I think that Aang has always been uh one of the characters in modern media that I have I, I just loved Aang's portrayal and how he stayed compassionate throughout the entirety of Avatar even when duty and oftentimes common sense was kind of completely at odds with his um, dedication to not taking a life. Um, one of my favorite lines from Avatar, actually, just one of my favorite scenes in general, it's a very minor scene and it doesn't affect anything at all, but I think it's in season three when they're like pretending to be in the Fire Nation and they are all talking about how they're going to go get some meat on a stick from a stall or something and Aang's like no I'm a vegetarian I'm gonna go get some lettuce out of the garbage like I just love that little like <laughs> it was just such a cute insight into his character I mean it was funny obviously but just like I, I don't know I just I feel like Aang is so it's so rare that you see like a protagonist of a of a show or a book have that much like personality and character um that they adhere to so completely throughout and the whole story is shaped around that um not and i feel like ang is a little more front and center in that story than crow is in shadows in the west but i i just i feel like i i've pulled from ang a lot when i've been making decisions for crow or writing crow um just like oh how did uh how did ang do this or whatever how did Aang respond to, or just remembering, you know, oh, how, here's how Aang responded to this. Because Crow's whole thing is she makes routine bad decisions because she's too fucking compassionate. And I, I don't, I sadly, I don't feel like the, the Sailor Uranus influence slash inspiration goes any deeper than just, I wanted a tall, deep voiced, androgynous, fuck gender, lesbian character. So, yeah. That's it. If the question allows us to just talk about just like what inspired our characters and we're also allowed to talk about Avatar. Oh boy. Um, I, I think I've kind of, a lot of this was subconscious and I've realized it more as I go on that I do, I, I've kind of drawn both from Zuko and Azula for Dayu influence in a lot of different places. Merging. Yeah. Yeah, might not be a great idea because they're two very different characters and they have very different ends to their stories. <laughs> I have, I mean, I, this is talked about endlessly on the internet and I don't want to just spout the same thing that everybody's probably heard, but I have an endless amount of love for Zuko's like redemption arc. It's, God, yeah. It's, so, it's so fucking good. I hate that. I, I hate that I'm thinking of this now that you're saying this, though, and I don't want to derail, but uh, right, right as you were talking about that, I was just thinking, like, Crow's whole bullshit with Tomei is so similar to yeah. Zuko. And his but I love it, and I have no problem with it. And yeah, I don't, I don't, I can't, like, say I'm I, my character's, like, fully inspired by that. I mean, I have other inspirations, too. Like, for example, this, again, probably wouldn't go much deeper than Crow's relation to Sailor Uranus. Parts of Dayu's personality are definitely inspired by Steven Universe characters. Haha. <laughs> I really like Peridot. I'm sorry. Peridot is a fucking nerd and a gremlin. 
And <laughs> if if Shadows in the West ever became a cartoon, I would want that voice actor to voice act Ayu because it is really good. Uh, I guess I'll go. I mean, this took me a minute to think about because uh, I feel like Shio is inspired by like a lot of like tropes, less so than like actual characters. But thinking on it, like my first thought was actually a character from Tamara Pierce's Circle of Magic series that I read way back when I was a teenager that I loved, um, and it was Rose Thorn. A little bit. I mean, she she does, she isn't much like Rose Thorn at all now that I look at it. But my first thought was of her, so there must be something there. Uh, who is a slightly prickly older woman who cares about people who eventually ends up in a gay relationship with another uh another teacher at this magic school and now that i'm thinking on it i'm like huh you know actually that works because like rose thorn also had a previous relationship with a man and had kind of a, a i suppose friendly breakup with him which doesn't really reflect you at all um but but eventually finds true love in uh, another another woman there. And uh, that, I think, really works as kind of an inspiration for Shio, even if it wasn't conscious. And of course, just like every sad werewolf story ever, because I just, I love sad werewolf stories. I love sad shapeshifters and their inability to fit into either world and all the tragedy and complexities and hopefully happy endings that come out of that even though not many happy endings actually occur but what can you do right the book series sounds really cool i kind of want to read it oh it's so good it's so good tamara pierce is really great um they're 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 young adult novels but they're really really whatever yeah the circle of magic is particularly good um and I'm not going to turn this into book recs, but Tamara Pierce is, is one of my favorite authors. So, Okay, last from Delafiel, which actual play podcast featuring prime queer content, which sounds like a kind of beef that I would very much like to eat, would you recommend to anyone looking for the same representation offered by Shadows in the West, and which pitfalls about representation would you want to warn new would-be casters about? So I would recommend Friends at the Table, God's Fall, and Campaign. Um, Austin Walker, Aaron Vartian, and Kat Cool are amazing GMs, and they've all included LGBT characters and themes, and there are also themes of acceptance and diversity, and all their shows have great production values and great cast, so you should definitely listen to them. As for Pitfalls, uh, I kind of touched on it earlier, but um, Pitfalls are definitely making characters cardboard cutouts, making them one-note uh your gaze trope definitely um i'll talk about that in a little bit in the next question but um there's an awful lot of narratives that end up with a gay person's introduced and you know i like as a lesbian viewer i um my most recent example is the 100 um i was very excited for lexa's reveal and um when she and clark finally you know slept together and confessed she died the next morning so that sort of thing definitely avoid that yeah if your only character if you're only gay or trans whatever characters are either the villains or the people who die yeah then fuck you be, be wary, wary about that yes please fucking reconsider like obviously lgbtq characters are not immune to being villains or dying but it's very different to having one character that identifies or is in that realm and they die and it's the last one don't don't use like a queer character as a representative of the entirety of queerness like and that, that ties into yeah. you know killing your gaze again like burying your gaze you know you kill the one gay character oh and then you make a lesson out of their death like oh we should have been kinder to this poor gay person you know like don't don't do that, please. Or, I mean, it's similar to that. Like, killing a gay person in the interest of, like, 
just having an emotional reaction, even if it's not about like teaching the character's lesson, it's just like, oh, pulling people's heartstrings by killing the gay person because there's only one of them and they're dispensable anyway, right? Because they're never going to have a romance or whatever. Um, I don't know. I'm just, <sighs> yeah, like if you're struggling to to include, <sighs> if it's a mental chore for you to include a gay person that's just like an integral part of the story uh, without killing them, much less at all like you've got a problem <laughs> like the problem is you i i don't know i know plenty i think if your heart is in the right place and if you if you if you actually truly think of gay people as people and not an other then cannon fodder then it'll be fine right <laughs> i'm not sure if that was advice so much as me just being mad well I mean, it, it gives kind of a per- perspective on, like, the stuff that queer people have to put up with all the time, which is a lesson in itself, you know? Like, these are the things that piss us off. Don't do them, you know? It's it's not it's it's not a good way of writing a story with queer people. Yeah, well, I've known plenty of, you know, self-proclaimed allies who get angry and decide that they don't, like me anymore after i hold them accountable for doing just that so yeah that's true once more falling back on my uh inherited canadian disease of apologizing for everything i do anyway but but to stay on track uh this is the part where i awkwardly confess that i actually have a really hard time listening to actual plays um i'm like incredibly ADHD like I'm actually like diagnosed with ADHD and I'm, I'm gonna go ahead and blame that but I, I I lose interest or my interest strays very quickly um I wish I wish that I had a recommendation here I, I have to say I've I've really I'm not super deep into it yet but I've I've been enjoying the magpies uh, a lot um and I know that they have a queer cast and a queer story even even after a few episodes i mean already it was it was getting it was getting pretty heavy on the gay shit which is like 100% what i'm all about also blades in the dark is great and i love it a lot and you should play it if you haven't um but yeah that's really my <laughs> that's really my only actual play recommendation and that's not because like i've listened to many and none of them are are up to my gay bar <laughs> it's just i, I haha gay bar i just i just struggle to i just struggle to listen to them um usually I, I used to listen at work but i i'm rarely at my desk long enough to listen anymore anyway so yep yeah i yeah i i have oh sorry oh um, you go i have tr- i was just gonna add that i also have a lot of trouble keeping up with actual plays because of the same reason like i i, I have such a hard time focusing on anything for too long especially when i'm not medicated but um every everything these people here have recommended is probably probably really 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 good they've never they've never steered me wrong ever this isn't uh this isn't an actual play uh it's not even an rpg thing but i just have to say um one uh one podcast i was listening to recently uh, it's it's more of an audio drama it's called the bright sessions um it's kind of like it's from the perspective of a psychiatrist or psychologist therapist i don't know interviewing uh people who have superpowers but they're like normal people living in everyday society and they're just trying to like cope with their superpowers, kind of like x-men but um i think it was the fourth episode uh one of the characters kind of came out accidentally not accidentally just just he sort of realized he was gay and uh it was it was very poignant and very it hit really close to home because it reminded me so much of my kind of experience when I was a teenager, kind of starting to realize I was gay and kind of being at odds with it. Um, and like I said, it's not an RPG and it's not an actual play, but um, that it, it, it is the, it is exactly the kind of gay representation that I like to see in things. Um, the characters are just people uh, and some of them just happen to be gay and it is it has an incredibly high production value it's just it's great it's it's really awesome to listen to it's really fun to listen to the episodes are pretty short so okay I'm done yeah I I, I again I don't have ADHD but I have a lot of difficulty getting myself to 
listen to things except when I'm driving. So I'm starting to get more into podcasts and such. I can give recs for books um, right off the top of my head. I would say definitely give the Tensorate series by J.Y. Yang. They're a non-binary author and the books themselves go into a lot of uh, trans and non-binary and LGBT issues in a very cool kind of, uh, what do they call it? Silk punk is what they're calling it. So it's like Asian inspired fantasy in a kind of developing industrial setting. It's really cool. So give that a try. I love their stuff a lot. That sounds fucking awesome. So they're they're really, really good. It's really good stuff. All right. Last question is Kelly Hoover 27, who I went to high school with actually. So hi, Kelly. I wrote I wrote a really long, long kind of I say wrote, but it was more like that like we, we develop headcanons together and, and like a story, but no one ever actually writes it except occasionally. Anyway. Vampires. Woo! High school. Oh hell composition yeah. notebook. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was good. It was actually awful on my end at least, but uh yeah, anyway, I'm probably not going to include that in the episode because no one needs to know that. Because as you know, lesbian vampires are a harmful... <laughs> hey, I included uh, I included that Blaze and the Wolf t-shirt stuff in my introduction in Shadows in the West. We can include that. Oh man, you're right. Fuck, okay. Oh man, in Horse Horse, everyone got to see my uh, Cowrie's original incarnation, which was a lesbian oh, yeah. space vampire. And she yeah. had the, they, they got to see my art of her from when I was like 14 and she had like she had she had the same hairstyles like the shingle bob but it was purple she had a sick fucking snake tattoo on her arm and black trip oh my god I'm fucking in love and the katana and she had a <laughs> she had a tattoo across her back that looked like butterfly wings and her theme song was that butterfly song from DDR holy anyway. shit I love her that is amazing yeah. <laughs> I'm in love about my fucking Digimon OC at some point Oh shit! Let's have Please. a Digimon yes. uh, like uh, AU episode. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Yeah. Okay, I'm actually gonna read the question now. <clears throat> Last question from Kelly Hoover twenty seven. There are a lot of tired tropes around LGBTQ plus characters in fiction. Yes. How has that factored into how you all created your characters and how you've played them and the overall story? I have a lot of thoughts about this. <laughs> Oh boy. Um, I'm going to try to keep it fairly brief, uh, but I have a lot of thoughts and I'll probably... Don't keep it brief. Let's, let's scream. It's the last question. Yeah. Well, I'll probably think of more things as people are talking. Um, I'm always very cognizant of the existence of tropes like this, uh, like the ever-popular dead lesbians or the barrier gay situations. Um, that isn't to say that someone LGBTQ can't die, but if it's all we ever see in media, it's kind of hard to not hate it. And it's very hard to pin down just one occasion because it happens so often. And once you see it, it's really difficult to unsee it. Uh, some recent examples I mentioned earlier, uh, Lexa in the 300, uh, Angela Dermody in Boardwalk Empire, Tara's death in Buffy, etc. I'm pretty tired of it. comes up a lot. And there's also a tendency sometimes along with that trope. Uh, another thing is to portray characters and make them one-dimensional and kind of miss the point uh, of having that character representation is not just a checkbox it's not like ticking it and saying okay i'm done you should actually be genuinely interested in wanting to ex create and explore that character and an identity during doing research uh wanting to explore it asking other people of that identity or background and uh the way that it's influenced the way i've created characters is um like uh mal was saying earlier i kind of have a tendency to make characters gay like because i'm gay um, if I'm making a female character, she's probably gay or pan. Um, so I've kind of gone outside my comfort zone and I've, uh, not randomized, but definitely tried to choose different identities as I've gone, uh, in creating NPCs like, um, with male or female characters or trans characters or anything like that. And, uh, gone outside my experience and kind of done my best to um include a variety and a spectrum of characters that way well i definitely hate barrier gays a lot and it's hard for me not to resent anything if it has one or two gay characters and one or both of them die which is most of the time um so two that 
usually bother me at least as a lesbian are um so obviously i love butch lesbians and butch lesbians are great but i get really tired of like anytime you see a lesbian in media they're super butch like this is the public's perception of lesbian that it begins and ends at a butch woman and she's usually almost exactly the same between every single thing like the michelle rodriguez character from avatar like just all like that and i mean like i play arguably butch slash androgynous lesbian in this but i i am appreciative of all of the femme femmer lesbians and and pan girls in in shadows on the left for sure another one which is going to sound rich coming from me the player of fucking crow is all gays are promiscuous also just like the the complete and total like objectification of of gay men um like not just treating them as so beautiful and whimsical and sexy and and that's something that i see a lot of in any any fandom pretty much um in in such a way that it's dehumanizing to actual real gay men but like on the other on the other hand obviously any anything gay suffers from a lot of the same tropes over and over again uh at least in in mainstream media but um one thing i have loved doing in shadows in the west and more recently in other things is a lot of really overdone tropes in general not 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 gay tropes but just like tropes in general and then taking those and applying them to gay characters or gay situations and suddenly they're a lot more interesting to me like uh i think red string of fate is is a really good example of that 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 trope has just been beat into the ground over and over again in media for going back for forever but it's always been heterosexual and it, it comes up a bit later in, in Shadows in the West uh, in a romantic relationship featuring two women. And it's refreshing to see it told in that way. And it has really shed some light on the fact that a lot of the, a lot of tropes like that, I don't hate them. I just hate, I'm just tired of seeing them applied only to male and female relationships. So I, I think that, while there are a lot of like bad, harmful gay tropes to avoid when you're writing, uh, I think one one fun thing is to take classic tropes um, like that and then put a gay spin on them because it, it often changes how the story comes out. It often changes how the trope unfolds. Um, and really, I think I saw a Twitter post or something recently that was like, you know, people ragging on tropes or Mary Sue's or whatever without taking into consideration that gay people haven't had the chance to see themselves or see themselves represented in those tropes and in those, you know, overpowered whatever characters. I could not have worded that worse. Well, I don't know. Like, I, I'm against, this isn't really related to the question, I'm against ragging on Mary Sue characters in general. Me too. So, yeah, I agree with you on that for sure. Yeah, like, at the end of the day, we're fucking role-playing in a fantasy samurai game i don't give a shit as long as you're not an asshole about it yeah just live your best life have a good time you know what's what's the trouble with that it's just yeah have fun and if other people are being shitty to you tell them to piss off yeah right like I, i cared about that shit when i was you know 18 and my brain hadn't fully finished forming yet and i had nothing better in my life to worry about like i don't give a shit do whatever you want write whatever you want just make it gay just make it gay i turned dayu into the goth girlfriend trope but it's beautiful she's wonderful i love it i love dayu she's perfect in every way (laughs) little angel oh little angle um yeah i mean i i I can add like i I was i just agree with you a trope that i'm really tired of is the the villainous bisexual um or like the the promiscuous bisexual which i guess is the same thing as the like the promiscuous gay which mal talked a little bit about yeah exactly queer coded villains like jesus christ (laughs) so oh my god 
the the flamboyant promiscuous bard oh i hate that shit so much like and it's always like it's always cishet people like trying to pat themselves on the back for for being you know lgbt friendly and it's like could you just not open your eyes did you do anything but this (laughs) yeah i love how like so many people are like oh i'm i'm very I'm very forward thinking. I'm doing such a good job of providing representation with my pansexual bard. Look at me. Look at me. I I mean, not to say that like I have, no, my bard isn't pansexual, but, but you know, like it's, it's, it's really stereotypical (laughs) at this point. Right. You can do better. How about be a pansexual druid? How about be a pansexual fighter? (laughs) You know, you could be any of these things. Well, I do agree that, like, I hate that if there is a lesbian, they're shown as being butch. I also hate that the trope of taking this very butch woman and trying to be progressive by making making her not queer. (laughs) You can say Cassandra. (laughs) You can say Aveline. You can say Aveline. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Fuck you, Bioware. Jesus Christ, let me sleep with cassandra jesus for real let me like mm, she loves one <laughs> one butch Man, lesbian one butch lesbian and and that's the only lesbian in your whole thing one butch lesbian or one butch pan girl is better than one butch straight girl to make a fucking statement to you yeah fuck you bioware jesus christ fuck you bioware and also the getting a man to write a lesbian who has no idea what lesbians are like. Hi, Bioware. Hi. I'm going to stop railing on Bioware, but in general, don't do those two things. I really hate it. Hey, while we're on the subject of hating Bioware, though, like, I, I almost brought up Zevran. I almost brought up Zevran when we were talking don't. about flamboyantly pansexual bard characters. Like, don't invite that hate okay here. like i i just want to clarify here like i have a flamboyant bard character who's a lesbian she's a lesbian so whatever and, and she's an elf but like and, and if you're if you're pan or or if you're gay and and you have a, a flamboyant pan bard whatever character you know great i don't there just there's nothing wrong with that at all and it's great but like when it's a straight person doing it just to just to pat themselves on the back and check off a box saying i did it i included a queer character then fuck off yes exactly it's so lazy it yeah like i i you know it's it feels like i'm kind of going back on my thing about like living your best life don't don't you know (laughs) no at the same time it's like come on this is this is actually a stereotype if you're gonna go that direction you know think a little hard about it think (laughs) deeply I'm reminded of the of like the one fucking openly gay character in Fallout who's like an in Fallout 4 who's like an NPC hairdresser in a vault. Oh. <laughs> oh no. I, I saw a post today on Twitter and it was like it was it was a screenshot that someone took from some like <laughs> fundamentalist like right-wing website that was trying to prove that like Fallout is like gay propaganda or some shit but but the picture was like of two gay npcs in fallout 3 and they were also happened to be the only two npc companions that can wear wear power armor so the website had like taken that as a statement of like gay supremacy which like i love personally like this is the (laughs) other side of that argument but like (laughs) oh jesus christ you have to be gay in fallout to wear power armor yes you can only wear power armor You don't, the system just, just does not adhere to your biology otherwise. Yeah. You have to have, it, it rejects it you. It senses work. your midichlorians. It just dissolves your flesh. <laughs> you can't start it. <laughs> the midichlorians, Anakin. Shit, the, the, now I'm going to write a, now, now my subplot is is a is a questioning pan slash bisexual person decides to try the power armor and they're really nervous about it. It's, it's an allegory for pan people being nervous about getting rejected from the gay community because they're not gay enough. And, and the, the, power the power suit. Armor. The power suit represents the like caustic attitude of of the uh, of the gay community towards. Uh, but then, but then actually, they get in and then they're more powerful than anyone else. I anyway, that's this my is story. A good story. <laughs> I can't wait to play this out in Fallout seventy six if it's actually a game. <laughs>
If it's a real game. If it's a real game. Well, I mean, we know now that Death Stranding is actually a real game, so... It's actually a game. Anything is possible here. We could we could go to the start. I, I would have paid $60 for Death Stranding even if it was just cutscenes, all right? I would have... Yeah, same. same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking same. Agree. Well, that's all of our questions. <laughs> do we want to talk about anything else, or do we... Huh? Well, I mean, we've already bitched out Bioware, so um, we're... we could always do an episode two if this goes well. Yeah, true. I mean, there's always more to say about people being shitty to gay people, right? Should we add anything else to talk about? Yes. What? I have two things that I want to. Well, I want to say closing notes. Okay. One, tieflings are gay culture. Two, yep. Shinjo was gay. And Lady Kitsune was her girlfriend, and if you disagree with that, then you're wrong and also dumb, and Shinjo is the true lesbian clan of the unicorn, and Utaku lesbians are for casuals. Amen. But also, Amen. if you have Utaku lesbians, tell me about them, because I still care Please about them. Please tell us about <laughs> all of your lesbians and bisexuals. I want to know about all the L5R lesbians. Please tell us about all of your your queer characters in Rokugan if you have them. Thanks for coming out, guys. Thanks for listening to us talk about queer stuff in relation to Shadows in the West. Keep it gay, homos. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, yes. Excuse me. So thanks for coming out and listening to us. Uh, We might do more discussion episodes like this in the future, depending on what kind of questions and feedback we get. Uh, Because we're always up for discussing the deeper issues or influences in our Rokugan. Um, If you have any questions, feel free to reach out to us on Twitter. Just say hi. Really anything. For all the latest updates in our podcast, be sure to check us out on Twitter at SITWL5R. You can also join our Discord server to talk L5R, Tabletop, and everything in between. Shadows in the West is played using the fourth edition of the Legend of the Five Rings role-playing game, developed by Alderac Entertainment Group and owned by Fantasy Flight Games.